Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Terrace Talk. Norwich City host Wolverhampton Wanderers at Carroll Road this weekend. Uh, Norwich City in a in a nice bit of form at the moment, which is um, which is good to see. I'm delighted that joining us to preview this weekend's game is Norwich City fan Anna Say and uh, Wolves reporter for the Express and Star, Liam Keane. Um, I want to start the show just by uh, thanking my stand-in hosts for the last couple of weeks. I've obviously been uh, off on holiday, so thank you to my colleagues Dave Freezer and Adam for stepping in. I don't think I missed much anyway so uh so it's all good a jest of course um Anna let's uh come to you first because we were talking off air just a, a minute ago Norwich City fans maybe in a slightly odd position in Premier League terms back-to-back victories the first time that's happened in uh, a few years obviously a new head coach at the helm as well people uh, seem to be smiling at the moment which is nice yeah I was gonna say it says a lot about how Norwich have been doing when you say that two wins is good for but no, it, it's exciting and I just hope that we haven't got a, any kind of false hope because everyone already is really bought into Dean Smith and good old Shakespeare. We're, it, we're, as hard as it was letting go of Farker, we're ready for a new start, new regime and we're looking positive now and next one up against Wolves, got to keep the run going hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Like, so I, I, I can't even recall to you the last time Norwich City won three Premier League games on the spin. I think you'd probably have to go back to maybe the 90s for, for that to be the case during the, the glory years for, for Norwich City and European football. So um, what sort of opportunity is this this weekend straight off the bat before we kind of reflect on Southampton a little bit later? Wolves obviously sixth in the Premier League, as, as we'll get on to with Liam, in a pretty good shape. I mean, it's it, it, fancy this is an opportunity, don't they now, given back-to-back home games, as I said, an opportunity to build on their on their two wins. Absolutely. This is, well, I think we all know, players included, um, that it's going to be a tough match. However, it's a great opportunity to make a statement. We've got a couple of, uh, couple of good wins now. We've got some momentum behind us. We've got that new manager bounce, as cliche as it is. It seems like to be a real thing. So, And we're at home as well. And the fans will have a bit of optimism. They'll have a good voice with them. So it's a real opportunity to get something done and kind of send a message to the rest of the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely, Anna. You're, you're right there. Um, Liam, maybe it says uh, a lot about Norwich City that we're talking about back-to-back wins as being positive form and a lot of optimism. Obviously, for Wolves fans, it, it must feel uh, slightly bizarre for, for Norwich to be speaking about it, given you, you guys currently sit sixth in the Premier League um, on 19 points. It, is, uh, it seem to be in, in form as well at the moment. Just kind of, sort of bring us up to date on where Wolves are currently in, in their season, because it seems to be a pretty good place. Yes, certainly. I mean, very quickly on that, there's there's no easy games on the in the Premier League. Um, Wolves found that out when Huddersfield a couple of seasons ago. Won, I think it was three games all season, and two of them were against Wolves. Um, so you know you, you can't count any game off or write any game off, um, and that goes you know against the big teams as well. So um, Wolves are in a in a good position, certainly as you say. You know we. We've got ourselves to a point where we're overachieving a little bit now. Um, I think the squad is very talented, but probably not quite big enough. Um, it needs a couple of additions, mainly for depth, really. You know, you look at midfield and they've got three um, senior central midfielders. Uh, I think they need, you know, at least another one in there. So uh, that's that's the biggest concern, really, is the depth. Um, but there's a lot of talent there. Uh, I think Bruno is trying to change the style from Nuno, uh, which takes a bit of time and and with that has come inconsistency. So they've gone away to uh, Palace, for example, who, you know, have been doing fairly well, um, but were very poor that day. 
Um, ironically, actually, their away form has not been quite as good as their home form, um, which might have a bit of hope for uh, for Norwich. But um, the inconsistency is the is the the biggest thing. Um, and he's ground out some results in games where they haven't quite been at their best as well. So um, there's promise to come, um, but it feels like they're overachieving a little bit at the moment. I think uh, overall as a season, if they can get top 10, I think that's a pretty successful season, um, considering they've had the manager change, the squad needs additions, um, and they're trying to just change the style and the way and the way they're playing, um, which they're doing fairly well, but it's a, a long way to go. There's a, a little bit of work to do still. It's interesting you you mentioned consistency. That probably shows in in the league table, doesn't it? Although Wolves are sixth, they played twelve games, won six, and lost five, drawn one. Don't it seems to be kind of all or nothing with with Wolves this season? Is that kind of a fair, a fair reflection on things? Yeah, I think so. I think they um, you know the first three games they played very very well uh, and lost all three. So uh, you know to to Leicester, uh, Spurs, and United. Um, it was unfortunate, you know, they, they arguably against uh, all three of them, but particularly the, the latter two against Spurs and United, they should have won those two games. Uh, they were by far the better team um, and, and came away after three games with three losses. And, and Wolves fans were concerned at that point because they played some good football, very attacking on the front foot and, and not getting the points they need. And then um, they regressed, I say it might not be the right word, but slightly in the sense that they weren't quite as on the front foot and attacking in the games that followed, but then they started getting results, you know, going away to Watford and winning, um, getting that result away at Villa, which was which was a, a big um, a big result, having you know been pretty poor for eighty minutes and it's come back to win three two, um, and then the home form has been has been very good. You know they had a good spells in the game against Newcastle, but then had a habit of letting them back into the game against Everton in the first half. They probably had the best football I've seen at Molyneux, particularly uh, well actually in general with Wolves probably for a good few years. They were they were excellent. Um, and then against West Ham, actually in that game, the second half, they then struggled. And then against West Ham for 60, 70 minutes, they were brilliant, allowed West Ham back into the game. So that's where the inconsistency comes in as well. It's not just the results. It's also um, within performances. So they'll have a good half or they'll have a good, you know, 20, 25 minutes and then they'll struggle for a little bit. They they sit back and they allow uh, the other team to have the ball and they invite pressure. And, and that's where the problems would come from. Um, fortunately, in those games, Everton and West Ham, they held on for the victory still. Otherwise, it wouldn't quite be as as rosy as it is at the moment. But um, if they can find the consistency throughout a game, as well as the, uh, the results, they'll have a very good season. Um, and that was the good sign from West Ham because um, not only did they dominate a team that has done very well this season, um, but they came out in the second half after a good first half and continued that form and all that performance until they got the goal. Then they fell into the same habits, uh, granted, um, which will give Norwich potentially an opportunity uh, on Saturday. Um, but they're getting there. I think that's what that's the, the takeaway really is that they finally get in where they need to be. Um, and that's why I say overachieving because I think they've still got work to do, but somehow they're still sick. So it's, you know, it's been pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's interesting, Anna, what uh, Liam says there about inconsistency and uh, and maybe how he broke down performances. Um, it's fair to say Norwich probably haven't produced a 90-minute performance of their own yet. We, we've kind of seen 45-minute bursts you'd, in the last couple of games. You'd probably say the first half against Brentford and the second half against Southampton. If you could maybe stitch those two halves together, you'd have a, a very, very good Premier League performance. Is that the next challenge for Dean Smith to try and get a, a Norwich City team to produce a 90-minute performance rather than maybe a 45-1 or, or, or spells in games absolutely I mean I think the two performances came with very different reasons and 
the Brentford performance second half, you're probably thinking they played like a team that was 45 minutes away from their first win of the season, which they really needed. And that's why it probably looked quite shaky. First half um, against Southampton, it was um, nerves, fans were nervous. We knew that Smithy, it was important to hit the ground running. So that came with apprehension. The players were playing with um, only a few days under a new regime. So there was a prob- probably uh, a sense of being nervous, tr- wanting to get that win, but also kind of trying to get used to the new manager so quickly. And I think it'll be interesting to see how they play in the next game, considering that Smith will have had a full week with them now, because against Southampton, I think, especially in the second half, we were just starting to see a few little things of Smith's style and Shakespeare's style and how, what they want to do, how they want to implement things. I think that we could really start to see that against Wolves. And if it's anything like that second half, I think it could be very exciting. Yeah, the, the tactical change he, he made at half-time, which obviously helped Norwich win that game. Many said that. I mean, I wasn't at the game, so I'm, I'm relying on people who have told me this and obviously my, my, my colleagues who were there. Um, it maybe felt a little bit fortunate that they were level at the break. The second half, Smith obviously changed things and that helped Norwich get a bit more of a foothold in the game. But like I said there, he's, he's going to have had a full week of training before this game. Does that give you more optimism on top of the optimism that you already have, given what he managed to do with those players in such a short space of time? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I suppose you could say we were fortunate in the first half. However, I think as a defence, our defence really held out really well. And that's one of the main things he talked about from the first interview was being more organised in defence, being harder to beat. And that was something that we showed in the first half because that is a sign of a good team. Teams who don't necessarily play well, but still don't cut don't concede, which was the most important thing. And I'll be honest, even at halftime, because I saw Josh Sargent warming up in his kit, so I think it was pretty obvious he was coming on. But even I was a bit like, oh, are you sure about that one? Because I'll be honest, he's not played his best in the last few games that we've seen him, but absolutely outstanding choice in substitution. He worked extremely hard and obviously... Changed formation as well, went to straight kind of well, what seemed like a 4 4 2, and the balance of it, it just worked perfectly. And that's something I think we've really missed over the last, even just like since last season. There'd be times when we'd be losing in a match, and the substitutions, it, it wouldn't be substitutions that would change the match. Even with, like I said, even when we're losing, we would just get like for like substitutions institutions which would do nothing to impact the match and obviously you know that one of the biggest things when it comes to substitutions is how late we've seen them even on the seasons that we were doing well it was still a a frustrating frustrating subject but to see the substitution and the tactical change at half time see it implemented so well and to see it pay off it was it was a really exciting moment and I only hope that we see more of that coming up. Yeah, absolutely. It is uh, certainly an exciting time, I think, in in terms of Norwich City. And to, uh, interest as well to see what Dean Smith can do. It's uh, been effectively, hasn't it, four and a half years since uh, Norwich had someone different to, to Daniel Farker in the dugout. So uh, I think that adds an, uh, an element of mystery as well. And that was the case, Liam, for, for Wolves as well this summer. The first time in a few years that they'd have a, a new manager at the helm. Uh, Bruno Lager, obviously the, the man replacing Nuno Espirito Santo, who um, subsequently went to Spurs and has since gone again. Um, that transition between the 
term. I mean, you, you kind of touched upon it earlier about Bruno maybe hoping to change the style of play a little bit. Can you talk to us a little bit more about what that looks like? Because I think people have an image of what a Wolves side under Nuno looked like. So what's the differences between that side and uh, and the one that Bruno is is leading this season? Yeah, um, Nuno, I mean, firstly, it's important to, to note that he, certainly in my lifetime, uh, is, you know, the best Wolves manager, you know, they've had for at least, you know, two, three, maybe four decades. Um a wonderful, wonderful manager, um, very highly regarded at Wolves. Uh, but last season, you know, he had the injury to Raul Jimenez, of course, was a major factor, uh, other injuries elsewhere as well. Um, and, you know, he tried to change the style. He tried to have Wolves a more attacking front foot style and he couldn't He couldn't quite make it happen. I think the injuries were, as I say, a big factor in that. Um, from the new year onwards, uh, he sort of went back uh, to... How you know, how they played before, but perhaps even more conservative than than previously. You know, they were very. Uh, it was quite dull, to be honest. Um, I think it's fair to say, and, and that resulted in the thirteenth place finish after two seventh places uh, in, the, in the two years before that. So um, it was. It felt like the right time to change. Um, albeit he was obviously brilliant for Wolves. Um, and Bruno's come in. He hasn't. He's working with largely the same squad. You know, they've only had a few uh, changes to that. Um, but he wants Wolves to first of all press. Much more aggressively, uh, be higher up the pitch. He's, you know, he's moved the or tried to move the defence a good five, even at some games, ten yards higher up the pitch than they were under Nuno, um, and then also play out from the back. So you know, we're getting Jose Sarr to to play out to the defenders, uh, provided they aren't pressed highly, which some teams have done this season and actually stopped Wolves from playing. Which is uh, Leeds and Palace being two options, uh, two uh, examples rather, which you know Wolves struggled against. Um, but they, when they can, they're playing out from the back. They're trying to keep hold of possession a lot more. Um, play in uh, in between the lines, um, particularly the two wingers either side of Raul Jimenez to become sort of quite narrow in between the lines and pick the ball up and then make the passes out to the wing backs, uh, get the ball into Raul Jimenez early. Um, and it's worked on the whole. It's worked quite well. Uh, but these are the same players that, albeit you know, modern footballers are very intelligent these days and you know, they're very good athletes. They, for four years, they were working in a very certain way and now all of a sudden they're trying to change it. Um, that's why, for example, he hasn't changed everything all at once. The formation is still largely the same, 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, certain ways uh, of sort of transitioning the ball are slightly similar, but overall he wants to make it a lot quicker um, going forward and look after the ball a lot more. Uh, he's made a, a big point speaking to me and other colleagues uh, about, you know, when we don't have the ball, we struggle. I mentioned again the Palace game. Palace dominated possession, over, overran Wolves in midfield, and Wolves couldn't get hold of the ball. And as a result, they couldn't make anything happen. Um, Wolves play their best under, in this system under Bruno when they have possession. Uh, they did that against West Ham and were brilliant. Uh, and, uh, and Bruno knows that, and that's why he's trying to change the way they play slightly. And that's where the midfield comes into it. Um, Matinho and Neves have been criticised in previous seasons for not being quite the right pairing uh, and this year on the whole uh, probably 90% of the time have been very very good and particularly against West Ham were outstanding so um, if Wolves can get ticking in midfield get the ball out to them uh, fairly comfortably without being pressed too high that's where they cause problems. It's, it's interesting what you've, what you've said there in terms of a new manager coming in and not completely ripping up the work of their predecessor because as, as Anna has touched upon and as Nori Fange have, have mentioned as well, it's kind of probably the boat that Dean Smith is in at the moment as well where you're trying to improve things without maybe completely ripping up the foundations. We see kind of head coaches or managers walk into a new club 
try to completely change everything and that goes completely wrong or it can go completely right. So is that to his credit? Are Wolves fans quite pleased that he's kept the structure and maybe not tried to change too much too quickly? I think so, yeah. It's it's all depends on the circumstance and the context with each each club and, and with Wolves particularly, as I said, they had four years of you know, four very solid years with, with Nuno, uh, a very particular way of playing, a particular style, how he went about himself speaking with the players, the media, everything everything was, you know, uh, very as it was with him. Um so then to have a unexpected change and have it all change very quickly, um, I think Bruno's been smart in not ripping everything up, as you say. Um, a lot of fans were concerned about sticking with 3-4-3 because of what we'd seen under Nuno. But he made it very clear that, you know, we don't have to be a defensive unit, although we're playing arguably five defenders. Um, saying that, Semedo and, and at the moment, Eight Norrie's playing uh, on both wing-back roles. So have been very forward-thinking, very attacking. Again, I'll use the West Ham game as an example. I think Semedo in the first half on average positions was the furthest player forward. Um, so when they get them playing and get them further up the pitch and get them making and making that width, allowing the other two wingers to come inside and be, get closer to Jimenez, uh, that's when they're at their best. And as I say, particularly with the uh, when they've got possession as well. So um, yeah, it's to Bruno's credit, I think, because um, he came from Benfica with a reputation. Uh, obviously, he had a bit of a gap in between, but when he was Benfica manager, uh, with a reputation of playing very, very attacking football, record goals haul um, over in Portugal, you know. Uh, getting three, four, five goals a game, um, playing a 4-4-2 or adaptation of that, a 4-2-3-1 or 4-2-2-2, something of, of that ilk, um, and you know, being very forward-thinking. Came to Wolves, played 4-4-2, 4-2-3-1 in his early pre-season games, uh, had a couple injuries, very quickly moved to 3-4-3, and since then, it's nothing's changed. Um, I think partly to do with that is the fact that he doesn't quite have the uh, the players he probably wants to change formation, particularly in defence. Um, and I think he needs to make the team his own in terms of the, the personnel. Um, and he will make changes to that. But with what he's got, he's kept a few things from Nuno, the formation being the big one. Uh, and he's trying to change the way they're playing as best he can. And, and so far, I think he's getting the best of both worlds because although Wolves aren't scoring masses and masses of goals, they're grinding results out, uh, playing some nice football at the same time. Um and at the moment, Wolves fans are getting quite excited about it, particularly if they can you know, make some additions in January. Of course, the, the other Norwich City news this week, apart from a, a home win, the first Premier League home win uh, since before, obviously, uh, the, the, the world changed, so to speak, is uh, the fact that Norwich City have unveiled their, their new crest, which I'll, I'll flash up on the, on the screen now. Anna, I'm going to come to you first, but I am going to come to Liam as well on this because um, I'm quite intrigued to get a, an outside perspective as well. So, Anna, let's come to you first. As a, a Norwich fan, uh, you, you obviously see the, the new crest, which is, is going to come into force in June next year. Um, what, what are your thoughts on it, first and, uh, and foremost, it's the club very clean, keen for it to be seen as evolution rather than than revolution. So, so let's kind of hear your thoughts. Well, I hate to be terribly boring about it, but I'm honestly quite indifferent. I mean, as I'm with a lot of people going, it's all right. I mean, especially with the line, I will say you don't quite realise just how odd the line looks until there was a great focus on it and then you actually go hang on a minute he's actually a bit weird looking I mean as a, a, a picture of it I think it's hard to get used to I think it'll probably feel a lot better and look a lot nicer once we actually see it on the kit and see it in force but I mean I'm glad 
that they didn't kind of rip it up start again. We all know what happened with the Leeds badge. We don't want that kind of situation. But I mean, the the castle, the lion, that looks nice. It. My only issue is it looks a little bit undefined, but like I said, it, it's hard to really fully judge it from a picture. I think it'll look a lot nicer once we see it on the kit. Yeah, agreed. It is it is interesting when you see it, and I, I was fortunate enough to see some, some of the other designs, which were very much uh, a lot of change, and uh, for the most part were pretty horrendous. Um, there's a, a lot of pieces on Pinker.com that you can go and read about this. Liam, I'm, I'm keen to get an external view, because I believe the company that Norwich used to help redesign their badge also um, featured in kind of Wolves' redesign. Um, so, so what are your thoughts on that? I'll flash it up again so you can you can see it. It might have completely have, have passed you by this week, um, totally understandably, because uh, as Anna said, it's not a massive change. But what, what are your thoughts on, on on kind of that? Yeah, I, I did see it in the week actually. I, I actually quite like it. Um, I think it's. I totally agree actually with Anna that you need to see it on the, on the kit first. But I think once you do, I think it'll look quite quite smart. I think it's simple uh, and quite sort of refined, um, which I quite like. And, and the fact that it's not too dissimilar um from the the current badge is is a good thing because as you mentioned wolves wolves have gone through uh you know a few changes over the years um but it's been every uh, you know off the top of my head every decade a couple of decades or so there's there's been changes um if you compare the wolves one now to wolves in the you know 50s for example it's very different but it's gone through subtle changes in in, in the last few uh editions of it and and for that one norwich i think it's uh, it is fairly subtle, really, in in the sense that it's quite simple, quite re- refined, and I quite like. It. I think it looks smart on a shirt, depending on the you know the sponsor and all that as well. Because if the sponsor's massive and it, which has been some Wolves uh, fans' complaints with our shirts, is that the sponsor's a bit big and a bit overbearing. Um, so if the sponsor's right as well, I think it could look quite nice actually. I will say I saw it for the first time probably a couple of months ago, and. Uh was a bit sort of, you know, the Alan Partridge gift where he kind of shrugs his shoulders. But I, I must admit, having seen it uh, a lot more this week, it, it has grown on me a little bit. So I think you could be right. And I think it it could be a little bit of a grower. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to know your guys' thoughts to the badge as well. I think we've had lots of it on, on social media, but feel free to uh, use the comments and, and get in touch with us uh, for all the usual ways. Um, Anna, back to the football then. Um, a big sort of talking point last weekend or before the game was about whether Dean Smith would reinstate two players in particular, Billy Gilmore and Todd Campwell. Both came in, both had sort of different impacts on the game. We saw Todd Campwell, as, as you mentioned earlier, taking off at, at half time and looking a little bit off the pace. And I think Dean Smith admitted that in, in his post match interview. Um, Billy Gilmore, who maybe had a reverse effect, didn't play too well in the first half, but certainly came into it a lot more in the second. So, what did you make of, uh, of that decision to bring those two back in? Obviously, a lot of hype around both of them. Was that right? Um, um, I guess around Todd Campwell as well. What do you think Dean Smith will do with him this weekend after obviously taking him off at half-time last week? I think it was a, a bit of a surprise to see Campwell in, not because I don't like him or he's a bad player, just because obviously we know he's been out of favour for quite a while. There's been a number of training sessions that he's missed in the last couple of months. He hasn't really had a lot of game time and especially when we saw him in the under-23s, he still looked particularly off pace. So I think it, it was a bit of a surprise. I think that he's a very good player. We all know that. So I, I wouldn't see him starting against Wolves. However, I think it could be really good to have him on the bench. Somebody who could come out on over the next couple of games, get 20 minutes, 30 minutes here and there. Because I think with a bit more game time, 
he'll look really good. And he was one of the, obviously there wasn't a lot, but he, it last time round in the Premier League, we thought he could do. He, he did really well and he was one of the standout players. So we know what he can do in the Premier League. We just need to get him back up to pace again because we know he can do it. I think with Billy Gilmore, the way he looked in the second half and even without having his best game in the first half, there were still some really great moments. So it just seeing that, it's hard to understand why he wasn't being played. But I think that game in itself has just cemented him in the starting lineup for the rest of the season, unless he does something terrible. He looked really good and added a really nice amount of balance to the side and really pushed forward as well, which has um, been something that we've all wanted for a while. And it was just, it was nice to see players not hanging around and kind of push, pushing forward. And he was certainly one of them. And I look forward to seeing what else he can do. Obviously, Josh Sargent um, made a, a, a real impact last weekend from from the bench. He's, he's he's been an interesting one this season because he had a fairly bright start. The, the games obviously in the League Cup where he scored twice against Bournemouth. Um, we also had that game against Watford where he played slightly on the right of of Puki and looked pretty good. And then we saw him move up front, and that didn't really quite work out. And then we saw him off the on the bench again. And now we've seen him come on, play on the right again, and and look really quite effective. So. Is he now back in the thinking for for a starting spot, given what we said about Todd and what Dean Smith has said about Todd maybe not being quite ready just yet and maybe needing a few more weeks of of just getting up to, to kind of match speed? Does, does Josh Sargent now come to the fore in terms of the thinking for this weekend? It's difficult to know. Obviously, he'll get more of an idea of who he wants in the side after having a full week. And in a lot of the time, I, I don't always agree with the keeping a winning side and not changing that. I think there are times when you have to adapt to who your opposition is. So I think that'll be interesting. And I think that he's certainly in with a shout because, like I said, I was doubting the reason for the substitution or at least substituting him on at half-time. But I was pretty quickly shut up after seeing the things he was doing. He might obviously not have scored the goal or anything, but I was very much impressed with how hard it worked and how quickly he was tracking back. If he lost the ball, he went and got it back really quickly. He was fighting and scrapping for every ball. He was supporting his other teammates, and he was just generally working really hard, which is is something that all of us fans have wanted for a long time. We understand that you can't win everything in the world. I mean, thankfully, we did win, but at the very least, as fans, we want to see that fight and that desire and that passion. And it seemed like he really spurred a lot of the other players on to fight in that half. And it was really great to see. And I hope we keep seeing that from him. Yeah, he emptied the tank, didn't he? That's for that's for sure. Um, Liam, to, to come back to to you, um, I, I want to ask you a bit about Raúl Jiménez. Obviously, had uh, a, a really well career threatening injury. Probably realistically, that's that that's fair to say. He's, he's come back into the side. He's got three goals again this season. I mean, sort of park everything from a football perspective. It, it must be really nice for Wolves fans just to see him back on the pitch. Yeah, definitely career threatening, certainly. But you know, he spoke to towards earlier in the season and it was life-threatening as well. You know, he he had surgery quite swiftly after the um, the fractured skull away at uh, away at Arsenal and uh, had that surgery not come as quick and, and, and had been as successful as it was, you know, he could have lost his life as well. So um, it was great to see him, first of all, you know, healthy, um, 
back, I think it was three weeks later, he was walking, pictured walking around the training ground, obviously not training, but, uh, you know, back out again and, and walking and talking and, um, and slowly, but surely he's progressed and, and recovered and um, has actually recovered really well, come into pre-season and done, uh, done okay. Took a little bit of time to get up to speed um, in the Premier League. Um, but as you say, from a just a human humanity point of view, not to see him back, uh, personal point of view, it's it's lovely because he's got a young family as well. So um, from a football point of view, it's great to see him in the form he's in right now as well. Um, he was great against West Ham. He's had a few good games here and there, scored a couple of goals. He's got three so far. Um, to have him back on the pitch is a miracle, really. Um, but to have him back playing as well as he is now, Linking up as well as he is with the players around him, particularly Huang Hee Chan. Um, yeah, he, he, it's it's brilliant. Um, not only from Wolves benefiting uh, as a football club, and uh, he's massively important to that team and the way they play, um, but also, as I say, for, for him as a person, as a as a as a, as a man, and, and and having a, a young family, it's nice to see him back and, and out there again. He's a massive fan favourite with Wolves. You know, they 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 sing the songs, they have got the flags. Um, he's he's loved there, and and that's how he settled so well. Because if you look at his career. Uh, he's 30 now, I think he's 31 in May and, and for the majority of his career he's been a, a bench player really uh, Atletico Madrid, Benfica he's, he's really not had a, a proper manager who's trusted him to, to go out there and have, a, and have a real go at it, he's come to Wolves and hit the ground running uh, and the fans, uh, he's you know he's adored by the Wolves fans so um, that's a massive part uh, of how, how he's done so well here and it's so, that to have happened to him and the fans to be with him, it's, it's great to have him back Wolves have, uh, have obviously come up against the Dean Smith side earlier on this season. It was a fairly dramatic game, wasn't it? Uh, Wolves came back to, to win that 3-2 in, in sort of the final 15 minutes. It was um, quite a sucker punch for, for Dean Smith, who was in charge of Aston Villa at the time. Talk to us a little bit about that game firstly. And then as maybe an additional point, is, is that an advantage to Norwich that they have someone in the dugout who's sort of undergone that experience? Or isn't it a, an advantage to Wolves who will kind of know what to expect from the Dean Smith side? Uh, on that second point, probably a little bit of both, actually. Um, I think uh, I think Dean Smith is a very good coach. Um, I think he's a almost a uh, sort of classic old school manager with a bit of a modern twist. Um, and I, I do think he's uh, was probably a bit unlucky to be um, let go from Villa at the time he was, uh, to be honest. Uh, and I, I earlier in my career used to cover Warsaw, and uh, it was before, it was after rather uh, Dean was there. But having spoke to people there, he was very highly thought. I did a, a great job there. And of course, a good job at Brentford as well. So um, I do think it's a, a bit of both on that regard. Uh, and regarding the, the, the Villa game, that was one of the, arguably one of the mistakes really of, of Bruno's reign so far as at Wolves. Um, Raul Jimenez had very little time to prepare, uh, having come back from international duty with Mexico and was benched for that game. Uh, Wolves changed to a 3-5-2, played three in midfield um, and played Huang uh, and Adama Traore up top together. Uh, and it didn't it didn't work. You know, Traore had a few opportunities, but they were created purely from his pace and power that we know he's got and, and created that on his own. Um, Wolves, to be honest, for 80 minutes were very, very poor. Um, deserved to be 2-0 down and looked like they were getting nowhere near uh, a result. Uh, managed to get a scrappy goal um, in the 80th minute. And, and from there, they had a lot of the momentum and, and you know, got another two a bit of luck, of course, but managed to get the goals uh, and got a good win. Um, the problems that Dean Smith's Villa in that game caused Wolves was, again, the same problems we've seen in, in, against other teams. And Palace, again, as I mentioned, uh, they pressed high, uh, 
won the, the ball back in the transition quickly, uh, stopped Wolves from playing out from the back and stopped Wolves from getting the ball forward quickly. Um, and that's how, you know, Wolves were, were nullified for 80 minutes. Um, it'd be interesting to see if Dean Smith makes any changes to how he approaches this game. Of course, with a different squad, he's going to have to make some changes, but it'd be interesting to see if he makes any changes considering the Wolves fight back in that game and how he's going to nullify that because I'll be surprised if Wolves don't play 3-4-3 again. Um, albeit Norwich uh, did play three midfielders at least for the first half uh, against Southampton. Um, and if they overrun the two in, for Wolves and Bill, uh, sorry, uh, Billy Gilmore starts to get on the ball and starts to pass it around like, like we know he can, um, then that's where Norwich could cause Wolves some problems. Uh, so yeah, it's certainly a, a bit of a tactical battle and, and Bruno's got some wrong, some right this season. Um, I'll give him his credit. West Ham, he got it spot on. Um, so, uh, but the away forms, as, as I mentioned, is a little bit iffy this season. So it'd be certainly an interesting one. Anna, let's uh, let's come to you first. Then optimism probably in the air for Norwich City at the moment. How how do you see this one going? And then, of course, let's have your score prediction as well. I think it's going to be a difficult one. No, nobody's under any illusions there. It's going to be tough. But with these kind of teams, what you don't want to see your team doing is sitting back, defending deeply, all that kind of stuff, and kind of because when you do that, you're just inviting that kind of pressure. We always see with the the bigger teams, maybe the, the, the top six teams, that if you want to get a result, if you want some kind of win or a draw at the very least, then you have to go at them. You have to press them high. You have to stop them from playing. And you have to almost be that surprise. And I think we have the ability to do that. And we're, we've got a boost now. We've got... Uh, new manager we've got a couple of wins we'll be feeling good with that we should go out there with some confidence and I know that we're not going to rule out any matches we're going to see it as three points regardless of possibility regardless of who we play now which which is a really nice to see and I think that at home it's definitely a good chance for three points we've just got to go for it and I think that as tough as I think it's going to be I'm going to go for a Horrible 1-0 to Norwich. Good stuff. We'd certainly take that, Anna. Uh, that's for sure. Liam, I'll, I'll throw the same question over to you as well. How do you see this one going? And then uh, let's have your score prediction as well. Yeah, that there's a lot of um, factors sort of going uh, in some ways against Wolves, actually. You know, the, the fact that Norwich have hit their best form of the season, a new manager, uh, who I think is a good manager as well, as I mentioned. Um, Wolves is the waveform, not quite being what it should be. Um but Anna, as Anna say, you know, if Norwich sit back and, and allow Wolves to keep the ball, dictate the play, get on the front foot, um, I think the quality Wolves have got going forward and particularly how solid they have been actually in defence for the vast majority of the season, um, I think they, they've got too much for Norwich or they should have too much. But that's only if Wolves can get playing and, um, and wake up quickly because they've been guilty of some slow starts, uh, even against West Ham in a game they dominated for the first 10 or 15, arguably, they were a little bit asleep. So um, if they can wake up quickly, get playing, get moving, they, they, they do have too much quality, I think, um, not to win the game. Um, but that's a lot of ifs, ifs and buts. Uh, if, it does, if it does happen, I'll go 2 no Wolves. Love your stuff. Uh, our thanks to Anna and Liam for joining us this weekend. Our thanks to you as well for watching as ever. Um, we're going to try and produce one for Newcastle 
which is uh, next Tuesday. But the turnaround might be a bit tight. So if not, then we'll definitely see you back for Spurs. Um, reaching a sort of a, a fortnight where there's a really intense block of games now for, for Norwich City, which of course is good as we uh, as we get into the uh, Christmas schedule of things. Pinkin.com, of course, the place to go. We'll be at Carrow Road on Saturday to bring you all the updates, uh, analysis and reaction from this game as well. It's certainly going to be an interesting one. Thank you very much for watching and we'll see you again very soon. Thank <laughs> you.